Hi everyone, you are listening to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating from the Other Side of 40 with me, Nelly Thomas. This podcast is being recorded in the council area known as Maribyrnong in Melbourne. I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land, the Wurundjeri, Woiwurrung and Bunurong peoples of the Kulin Nation and pay my respects to their elders past, present and emerging. If you want to support the podcast and keep the lights on, please rate, review and subscribe to Dear Nelly Plus for bonus content every month. And for more information about all of that, see the show notes or go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. And look, one quick thing, this is a sex, dating and relationships podcast for adults. So if you don't like swearing, it's really going to give you the shits. Off you go. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi everyone. Today my co-host is the national treasure known as comedian Cal Wilson. We'll talk about Cal's recovery from an early abusive relationship, how she started again with a really decent guy, her husband and baby daddy of almost 20 years, and what she thinks of the restorative power of one night stands. We get into whether some people are actually depressed or perhaps just married to the wrong person. We take some fabulous listener calls on why women are potentially reluctant to engage with sex workers and why some blokes are intimidated by confident women. And as always, we end with Cal's dating deal breakers and stupid shit her exes have done. Cal's all heart and a lot of laughs and I reckon you're going to love this episode. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. Welcome to Dear Nelly, Sex, Relationships and Dating on the Other Side of 40. Uh, today we are joined by a very, very special guest. How would I introduce Cal Wilson? Um, reclaimed Kiwi. She's ours, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. You're now an Aussie. Uh, comedian, broadcaster, TV personality, author. I mean, what else? What can't you do? Crafter. Uh, crafty. Can't say equestrian. <laughs> I could. That. No one could. would know. No, or pilot. Do you know what? With you, no one would question it. Do you, like reckon, if do I, you if, people think I could ride oh, a horse? Totally. If I added, oh, she's also like a Olympian equestrian rider, people go, oh, yeah, that makes sense with Carl Wilson. I would love that. Like like Gina Davis is a <laughs> Olympia, an yeah. Olympic archer. Yeah. That, see, that doesn't surprise me. You seem like, and you are from having known you for a long time, you're multi-talented. You'll do anything. 
It's so funny. It's such a different idea to what I have of myself. What's your idea of yourself? Which is just slightly shambolic. Like uh, if I was trying to become an equestrian, it would only be a donkey. Yeah. Like it would be a small donkey. <gasps> I love a donkey. Oh, look, I interviewed some people on a donkey farm not long ago. Yeah, and I love a donkey. I'm obsessed. Yeah, I got bitten by a donkey and I still Did love you? them. Yeah, yeah. I accidentally fed a donkey a whole paper bag <laughs> when I was a kid and my dad caught it on video. And it's like the most mortified I've ever been because I thought I'd killed a donkey. Oh. Whereas the donkey was just like, no, this no, is this great. Is, this shit's yeah. great, like a goat. Yeah, I was just yeah. showing the donkey Put it out. no more food. I'll eat it. So if you said to me I've got a pet pig and a goat, it wouldn't surprise me either. No, You're I mean that. that kind of I, I feel that's quite on brand. Yeah, <laughs> very on brand. Now we, our focus in this podcast is on relationships mm-hmm. in the broadest sort of sense of the word. And normally, I start by asking your relationship history, but with you, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Okay. Because I remember when you met your husband, uh-huh. your lovely husband Chris. Yes. And you and I were in, you were renting a beautiful old house in Port Melbourne. See, again, I would say <laughs> a terrible old tumble down house. Look, I'm but being in, polite. A gr- in a great location. <laughs> beautiful location, old Melbourne house, but it had yeah. some charm. Well, the cat got heat stroke inside the house one summer, <laughs> and uh, my housemate used to wear a woolly hat to bed in the winter. So, yeah, look, you did, I do remember breathing steam. Yes. Like that's how cold it was. But I remember when you met Chris, and of course I didn't know his name then, and this is how many years ago? Must be... Nearly 20. Nearly 20 years ago. And I remember you saying, I've met this guy, he's lovely, he's a school teacher, and he couldn't come on a date, I think, Mm -hmm. or something to that effect. He couldn't come to something that you asked him to because he was going to watch one of his students play basketball. Yes, and I distinctly remember going, keep him. Yes. Well, that was the thing. So what it was, was um, we had met through a mutual friend. Yes. And... Who kind of set you up. Who did set us up. Yes. We found out after we were married. Yeah, but you didn't know. Didn't know at the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'd, we were, uh, we'd met at a gig that her husband was playing and I'd got chatting to Chris and I'd overheard him saying that he was leaving the country in five weeks to someone. And I was mm. like, well... This could be a fling because I'd come out of this awful relationship yes. in New Zealand and basically fled the country. Yes. And so I was like, I'm just not ready for anything. But he's a nice guy and I know mm. I know it's got an end date. Oh, and, there's an, and for people listening, that's actually a really good soft re-entry into yeah, dating. it's going to be a soft launch. Like if you meet some, if you think I've been in a long-term thing, even if it didn't end badly, but you're just like unsure – Find someone who's moving. Yeah, just a little harmless, <laughs> yeah. harmless fling. Yeah, mind you, twenty years later, you're married, but and, okay. and, and have a child. But uh, at the time, so so we met on this night when we we flirted, and he was really um, cute and yeah. uh, and then he's sweet. I found out that he was a primary school teacher, and that for a start made me go, oh, oh. he's he's a man who's chosen a career not for money. Yes. Um, and also, my mum mm. was a primary school teacher, so you know, I know what kind of people they are, mm. and. Then we were getting on really well, and then he goes, I'm so sorry, I've got to go. Mm. Um, one of my kids is running in the cross-country tomorrow, and I promised I would watch him. And when he said that, I knew he meant his school yes. children yeah. as opposed to a, one it of his own. It wasn't daddy. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so he went. And I found out ages later that he'd also like been up for 24 hours because he'd been to a massive dance party <laughs> the night before. See, yin and yang, no. <laughs> yin and yang. Yeah. Uh, and so I was, really, I was just really taken that he yeah. would – Leave a situation where he was clearly having a good time to go mm. and, and um, he'd made a commitment to a mm. kid and he was going to follow through. And then I mentioned to our friend Fiona that I thought he was cute and he'd apparently said the same thing to Fiona. Mm. And she absolutely engineered. Mm. She told me he wanted my phone number and he told 
him that I wanted him to have my number. Yes, and we didn't find out until after we got married. So these are good lies. Fiona, I'm on board. Yes. Because if you say to someone, and you know I'm a terrible matchmaker, I've learned my lesson. If you say to someone, Cal, I want to set you up with someone, Cal freaks out and the other person freaks out. No, you don't do that. You go, Cal, he said you were gorgeous. Did he? And just leave that hanging. And then a couple of days, he asked for your phone number. Right? This is how you got to lie to the people involved. Totally. Oh, yeah, he's brought you up a couple of times. Yeah. By which I mean I've brought it yeah. up to see what he said. Yeah, I've, I've sent him some photos I had of you. <laughs> now, backtracking prior to Chris, because it seems to me relevant, you had come, without going into too much detail, you'd come out of, would you describe it as an abusive relationship? I, I would now. It yes. took me a long time to actually go, yes, it was an abusive relationship. Yes. because well, that's it, very interesting. It was mainly, because it only got physical once. Yes. And so, so it was primarily emotional, emotional abuse. And, like in just incredible, just a head fuck. Like yes. it, like it, and it, and he'd done such a number on me that even when I got together with Chris, like he paid mm. for a lot of uh, a, a lot of baggage from the previous relationship. Like yes, oh, I remember discussing this with you. It's like the idea of. He was paying for someone else's sins. Yeah, yeah, and it was awful. Yeah. And, he, and, and you know, he was amazing. That, like, he hadn't had a lot of long-term relationships before. Mm. There was a, a story that I ended up telling as a, as a story in my show this year, but when when we first got together, um, he really loves Kylie Minogue, right? He's just... <laughs> I love this story. <laughs> so he loves Kylie Minogue and 90s house music, and neither yeah. of those are my favourite things. So our, mm. our tastes intersect on Nick Cave and... Kylie Minogue's duet. That's yep. that's where yep. the crossover and that's yep. it. Uh, and so uh, it's 2003. Um, uh, Kylie's got a new album coming out. It's, yep. There were still record stores then. <laughs> and so he's come over to visit me after he's finished school in the afternoon and he's got stopped at like Brashes or something on the way and got the, got the pre-ordered CD mm. of Kylie's new album. And he came over to my place and we were supposed to be spending the evening together and... Uh, he said, no, I can't, I can't spend the night with you because I've, I've got lots of work to do. And I had a friend that was in town. He's like, hang out with her. I'm going home. And I just had this complete meltdown that I still can't fully mm. explain. Like, mm. I think it was just this, I, I felt like he was abandoning me, like I'd just mm. lost. It was just such, it was like. He'd hit a wound. He'd hit a wound. And he, he hadn't hit it. No, a no. A wound was there. The wound and was there got, and he'd, yeah. he'd tripped in the yeah. wound. Yeah, he like, fell into He fell into <laughs> Oh! I regret Hello. that. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, so he, I yeah. just had this, like, it was like a tsunami. And what age are you then? I'm in my 30s. I'm 33. Yeah. But I think that's, I appreciate you actually acknowledging that because we talk about things like that. Oh, that happens 18-year-olds and 19-year-olds. Yeah, no. The ch- I'm nearly 50. It's still happening to me. Yeah, totally. you don't stop being who you are, do no. you? Just you become like a concentrated version yep. of yourself as and the youth evaporates. How much work you've done on yourself. Yeah. Like having spent the last couple of years dating, I can tell you that people our age are not done. No. It's like I keep thinking of that everything but the girl. Remember that band from yep. the 90s? Yep. They had a lyric that was The Heart Remains a Child. Oh, I love that. And I'm like, for good and bad? Yeah. You know, like you're chucking a fucking tantrum, mate. Yeah, totally. You know, like yeah. I didn't do anything or on the other side, oh, you're still soft there. Yeah. So so when this, this like, like yeah, I, he I hit just, this. He hit this nerve and I just center. burst into tears and he had no idea what the fuck was no. happening. Like just no idea. Like, you know, it's like hitting a gas main or a water main or something. Yes. 
And so he's, he's got no idea what's happening. Yeah. But the thing that I appreciated about him was he was like, well, it's still what I'm going to do. Yeah. Like I'm still going because yes. I've said I'm going and, and I'm not going to – I'm not going to change this just because you're upset about it because it's mm. what needs to happen. But mm. the the main thing in him was, I don't know what's happening, but I'd like to help. Yes. So he was at a complete loss at what to do, dealing with this just furball of tears and snot mm. and everything. And he gets his Kylie CD and he goes, I haven't listened to this yet, <laughs> but so you know that I'm coming back, yep. I'm going to leave it here. Oh, if I had a sound effect for a round of applause, like I've heard that story, yeah. but I still, what I love about it is that, because knowing Chris, you know, he's a very intelligent man, but he's also a very simple man, and I say that yeah. with, with the greatest Absolutely. amount of respect. You know, like he's not going to overthink a thing. No, there's no artifice. There's no, there's no artifice. He couldn't give a shit about fame. No. I think that's one of the reasons you two, you know, do so well together. I can just see in that moment some guys, some women as well, would go, oh, you crazy bitch. Yeah. You know, whereas he's like, I can see you're upset. I'm not going to, and I don't mean this in a judgmental way, but I'm not going to indulge it. Yeah. I'm not going to cancel my fa- my plans and change my whole day because I didn't do anything. Yeah. But I'm also going to take it seriously. Yeah, and it was so, I mean, even in that moment I was like, Fuck, that's a good move. Like, like yes, like it was uh, such a genuine thing, mm. and such so a, many green flags, so many green flags, yeah. and so he went and obviously came back the next day, and it was fine. But it was such a gesture of like, he shows up in really practical ways for yes. me. Like, yes, like there might not be all the big romantic gestures, yeah. But I don't care. I don't care about that stuff anymore. Like he's not going to write a sonnet and sing under nah, your window. But he's filled up the car with petrol, yes. and he's um, like he's he always laughs at the fact that the presents that he gives me that I love the most are the really practical ones, like mm. so noise cancelling headphones. Yeah, totally. Like, oh my god, I fly a yeah, lot. Yeah, and then for my birthday, he goes, "What do you want?" And I was like, "Can you just fit the new?" pads to the noise cancelling earphones because yeah. the thought of doing that is enormous yeah, to me. Yeah, too much. Can you program the, the Netflix? Yeah. I'll take that as a Christmas present. Yeah, absolutely. Can yeah. you just organise, can you organise the tradie? Yeah. Like, he just shows totally. up in really practical yeah. ways. Yeah, and, and right right from the start, and also because I'd been through this awful relationship mm. and I was in my 30s, I was mm. like, I don't have time to waste Anymore, like I don't have time no. for bullshit anymore. No, and also because he went away, he did go away after five weeks. Uh, but we emailed each other and we spoke on the phone, and it also enabled me to ask him big questions. Yes, not face to face. Well, and I think it gave you the opportunity as well to to not that we ever get over all of our shit, but to deal with some of it. Yeah, because I think one of the things for for people listening who are contemplating dating, do not date. If you're broken. Yeah. And I mean that in the kindest sense of the world. If you know you're broken at the moment, we're all a bit broken. Yeah. Do you know If you yeah. know you're really broken, you're going to take shit. You are going to take whatever is offered to you. Absolutely. And I really clearly remember doing that in my 20s. Yes. I moved to Wellington. I met this guy who was really, um, he was an advertising guy and he was really charismatic and charming <laughs> and red flag. Yes. Um, and advertising charismatic charming yeah. Cal, oh what run. am i doing what am i doing i'm like oh th- these flags are a nice crimson yeah. color how, how fetching um but i re- remember having this clear thought of like that's so weird that he's interested in me because i'm fucked like because i because uh, yes. i was at a really low ebb at that time and i was like mm. how strange it is that he's interested mm. in this broken mm. version 
of me and it was a you know he cheated on me and like that's a re- can I just come back to that because I think that's a really interesting way to put it I don't believe in the secret and you're manifesting and all that shit I really don't but I do believe in the fact that and predator might be too strong a word but predators seek broken people yeah the, the, they can sense the they vulnerability can sense in vulnerability. you vulnerability yeah. and if you know you're vulnerable like you are much 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 better off alone yeah and cultivating friendships until absolutely. you feel better. Absolutely. And you're in a place where you will see a red flag and go, yeah. nah, I'm out of here. Yeah, totally. And, and yeah, like you say, like do the work on yourself. Like yeah. the relationship that you need to have I'm is boring, with yourself. boring, but it's so <laughs> true. <laughs> but totally. Like like I, I, I think until I met Chris, even until I met Chris, I was the friend in the group that makes everyone else feel better about their love life. For sure. Like. Yeah, you are that. Yeah. yeah. I was yeah. The, and you're still that. And you're always going to be that, yeah. I think. Like in the sense, I mean, I know what you mean. You mean in the sense that you're, you were the... Oh, I've had another disaster. Yeah, you were the yeah. like fuck up yeah. or whatever. But I'd say you're still that but in a different way because you're that friend that is like reassuring, who's non-judgmental, yes. who'll talk you through a thing. You're the friend you can go to and go, oh, my God, I actually dated this like yeah, psycho yeah, yeah. and I feel like shit and you're like, let's talk about it. Like, totally. You're not going to write that person off. Absolutely. So when I when I got out of the abusive relationship, it made me so much more empathetic towards people. Yeah, less people judgmental. And absolutely. Less, less sympathetic. So yeah. if, if you're in a situation that's mm. absolutely you could change that, mm. I, I don't have time for that. Like if you, if you oh, mm. my, my, wife, my wife's such a bitch or, you know, like, mm, okay, mm. well then either, either she's a bitch or you're a bitch. Like... Mm. Mm. But but if like I understand why women don't leave like I, yeah, you know like course. when everyone goes why didn't yeah. she leave like oh yeah. because they've they've reduced you to your lowest yeah you are you are the tiniest you've ever been inside yeah. that's why you don't leave because you don't and you're I, you know I was ashamed I how did a smart woman end up in yes. a situation like this all of the messages that we get but, but also particularly then and even still now and having worked in this area I know you know a lot about this particular stereotype, the stereotype of an abuse victim is someone with broken eyes, yeah. you know, a broken cheek, you know, black eyes, all the rest of it. And the more we know now about coercive control and financial control mm. and emotional abuse and all those sorts of things, back when you were in that situation, no one knew about that. Yeah. You yeah. know, really, unless you worked in the field and even then we had different terminology. Mm. So it's really hard to recognise. And I can tell even now when you say abusive relationships, it's hard for you to say. Yeah, because yeah, oh, because I think also part of me goes, oh, I don't want to be known as a person that was in an abusive relationship, yeah, know. you know. But, mm. I mean, that's what it was. It was yeah, that's the truth. Yeah. And that really does help other people recognise yeah. it as well. And I think it's also lovely, and we can end on this part in terms of your relationship history, for me it feels like whether consciously or not, you then sought in your next relationship the complete opposite. Absolutely. You sought a nurturer. Absolutely. And all of the things that I went into dating thinking were important, like, oh, it's got to be really creative. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, like, I really like long hair and, like, all of that. I'd like an indie director. Yeah, someone with nice hands. Yeah, most of those guys are really up their own ass. Oh, yeah. Get but a just, primary school teacher. Yeah. Oh my God, a man who's good with kids. You already yeah. know that. Yeah. Um, but also in your case, who's unimpressed by fame. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really important. Yeah, like he's not, he's not, um, he doesn't dismiss someone's talent, but he's also really not impressed that you've been on TV. No, like, what, whatever. Doesn't care. Yeah. Doesn't, I told um, a kid to read. 
you know? Like, yeah, but he, and he wouldn't even think of it in those terms. Not that he's unsupportive of your career, no, no. but you don't want someone who's automatically going, oh, you know, have you met Husey? Yes, we've all met Husey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. This, this is so name-droppy. Um, when I was living in Auckland still and I was I wrote some articles for the paper there and they sent me to interview Miss Melissa Etheridge mm. and stop like I was she was like the first proper you know she famous. touched me on the arm once really I consider her an ex <laughs> I'm obsessed with <laughs> she Melissa talked Etheridge about you. she yeah, talked about you <laughs> tell me everything well she was she was the first really famous Somebody person bring me some water. that hat, the hat oh. I had a hat like that um I had a hat like that, like she used to wear, which I left on during a colonoscopy appointment to my embarrassment. <laughs> anyway, so Melissa Etheridge was – she was so intimidating because she's, yeah. you know, she's, she's one of Melissa these – Melissa Etheridge. Yes, Melissa Etheridge. And so yeah. um, my dictaphone didn't work and it was a disaster. Oh, gosh. But I remember saying to her – I think she just got married or she'd had a child. Yes. Um, and I said, so was your, did you, does your wife like your music? And she goes, I didn't want to marry a fan. Yeah. And I thought at yes. the time that was kind of a weird thing to say and now I now absolutely get it. Get it. Yeah. Like yeah. You want someone that sees you and not yeah. someone that that is impressed by Well, and even for people listening, even if you're not in showbiz, I think the idea of a fan, you don't want a fauna. No. You know, like it's really nice if you're dating and someone's like, "Oh my god, you're amazing, you're amazing." I love what you do. But yeah. if that doesn't wear off, to me that's a red flag. Yeah, totally. Because you know? how can you have an equal relationship? Yeah. You want them to adore you, but you also want them to expect to be adored. Yes, and to be realistic about... Yeah, that's right. I'm going to really disappoint you in a a couple of weeks, (laughs) maybe even a couple of hours. Yeah. 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 Now, we always get into some sort of culture chat, and Mm -hmm. I want to present, because I know you and I both, I think we're both Amy Schumer fans. Yes. Yes. Ish. Yes. Yes. I wouldn't say, like, I haven't been, you know, when we get the standard questions, like, who's your favourite comedian? She wouldn't come into my top five, but I've always I've always found her very intrigued. She's obviously an amazing stand-up. Yeah. But also as a public figure, very interesting um, how she's navigated fame. So I'm reading Girl with a Back Tattoo, uh-huh. which is a great title for a memoir, yes. by the way. And one of the things she talks about is she came out of – a relationship that sounds like it was a fairly long-term relationship and then she found out after that the man that she was in the relationship with was gay. And by no means do I get the sense that she's anything of a homophobe, but mm-hmm. it challenged her kind of sense of, well, what was the sex that we were having? Yeah, like yeah. what was – like what did he hate it, you know? Yeah, was he yeah. attracted to me? Like what was sort of going on? And it was very interesting. She talked about the fact that she had a one-night stand. It's the only one-night stand she's had in her entire life and that that helped her get over that. Yep, yep. Do you understand that? Totally. What do you think? Totally. Right. I was thinking about this on the way here, actually, yeah. and I was thinking I wish I had been better at one-night stands. Right. Because I was so tangled up in thinking. Especially after the abusive No, even situation. before that, though. Before. Like, like it, I was always, well, if we're going to have sex, we'd better be going out. Yes. So, so yes. you know, there were people that should have just been. I say that like that was me. That was not me. <laughs> but my ex, I don't think he would mind me saying that. He was very much like that yeah. as well. And I think if you have a religious background of yes, any kind. and that's what I had. That's in yeah. your mind. 
around. Yeah, we're holding hands. Oh, we're dating now. Yes. Oh, well, yeah. I, I'm attracted to you, so we'd better go out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so why do you wish you'd had... Because I wish I'd been stands. able to disengage. I wish I'd been able to just have the sex that I would have liked to have had without yes. wasting six months on someone that we yes. weren't compatible or... Oh, that's a lot of time. Yeah. It was always six months. <laughs> yeah. just six months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I wish I'd been able to. I wish I'd had a sense of my own worth. Yeah, that wasn't connected to uh, that that kind of Christian background of you know yeah. the, the purity thing. Like I went to a youth group where I remember one of the youth group leaders going, "Jesus doesn't approve of heavy petting." Oh wow! And not knowing what heavy petting was, it sounded wow. like someone who doesn't know how to pet a dog. Yes, but just what, heavy petting on your front bottom. Yeah, like just just yeah, just like, say what it is. Yeah, I wish I had. I wish I had had more of a sense that my body belonged to me to you, yeah. and that pleasure that I had was mm. absolutely okay. And, mm. it, you know, that – and, you know, like I, I went out with another guy for six months, weirdly, mm. um, and I, it was awful. Like it was awful mm. sex, mm. but I, I thought in my head because I'd said yes once, I'd said yes Forever? Yes, 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 yes. So was it awful relationship or just awful sex both, or both? Both, yeah. he, But he, we've yeah. done it now. Oh, so, so we keep going. Yeah, so even though I'm yeah. not enjoying this, yeah. I've, got, I've just got to yeah. keep doing it because, well, I've said yes now. Yes. Kind of. And can I say very clearly to the parents and carers listening with my sex education background on, this is one of the very explicit and specific things we do not tell young people. You can have sex with someone once and never again. Yep. In the same night, six months later, ten years later. Yep. You never have to do it again. Yeah. You never yep. have to. But we were never told no, that. not at all. Not at all. Ever. Yeah, and yeah. six months, that's a long time. Yeah. But so you, that's, I find that very interesting that so you can see, even though you've never really experienced it, you can see the value of how that would help your self-esteem to yeah, have a totally. positive experience. And to feel ownership over my own body yes. in a way that I don't think I felt. Yes. For so long. Yes. Um. Yeah, just to go... Sense of control. Yeah, and also that, mm. that I guess, you know, I'm 52, like, when I was growing up, like, sexual pleasure was about what the guy wanted. Oh, like, absolutely. And the idea that, oh, no, it's supposed to be something you're both having a good time yeah. doing. Like, was, yeah. that that wasn't... And, you know, in our sex education at at school, we were never told that sex was a pleasant thing. Like, there oh, was never, God, no. Like, there's never the thing of, like... You're going to get AIDS, get pregnant, yep, and then you'll die. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that was like if you got any sex education. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I reckon this one of the most delightful things about doing this podcast for me has been, and of being, you know, sort of late in life divorced, even and experiencing dating again, has been talking to so many people of our age who, mostly women, but some men as well, who are like, oh, I'm discovering what I like sexually. I'm discovering that I'm allowed to like things yeah, sexually. Yeah. Even sex toys. Like, we were never... Oh, my God. None of my Mary, friends had sex imagine? toys. My God. Whereas now I think it's much more routine. You can buy them yep. on the internet, all of that kind of stuff. So it's a it's an opportunity for an awakening yeah. in a sexual sense rather than, oh, my God, I'm divorced. It's so awful. I'm yeah, going to be yeah. lonely and die. Yeah. You know? I had a conversation with my dad a few years ago and he was talking about something... Uh, that he hadn't really dealt with. And I said to him, why don't you go and get counselling about it? And he's like, oh, well, I'm too old. And I was like, no, but if you live for 10 more years and you live Mm. for 10 years without that thing weighing on you, Mm. it's 10 years Mm. of you feeling better. Mm. Like, I'm such a fan of talk therapy, I guess, or Mm. or just... 
hundred percent. Yeah. To me, that's like you know, I've got a boil on my arm and it's hurting me, but I've only got ten years to live, yeah. so I'll just leave it there. Yeah. No, no, no. Get that shit yeah, sorted that out. Yeah, shit's gonna rub on that every day. Whether you've got a month of life left or or yeah. thirty years of life left, deal with it. Yeah. I think you and I are very similar in that sense. Like it doesn't always work, but I will not let a problem fester. Yeah, you are. Whether it's physical yeah. or emotional, like deal with it. You are much better at doing that quickly than I am. Like I, oh. I sit on stuff for ages and then I'm like, oh, well, that was great. I should have done that months ago. <laughs> well, we'll see. Now, armchair expert, which is one of my favourite mm-hmm. segments, this is where I just hit you with something from the ether, right. right, and we just see your reaction. So Amy Silverberg, who I think is on Twitter, oh, RIP, are you still on Twitter? I mean, it's there, but I it's haven't. It's there, yeah. yeah. She says, I just want to know your reaction to this. My aunt got a divorce and I asked how she felt and she said, I thought I had an anxiety disorder, but it turns out it was just your uncle. (laughs) What? How true is that? I've never thought about that in that way (sighs) until I read that tweet and then went, Suddenly, so many images of relationships yeah, yeah. of people, of friends, totally. and just flooded into my mind. Yep. How does it hit you? Oh, absolutely. It did, like, it made me laugh, obviously. Of course, because it's brutal. Yeah, totally brutal. But just go, yeah, totally to go. Truth bomb. Totally. Oh, the thing, the thing that I was worried about was something that someone else was putting on me. It yes. wasn't something that I needed to worry about. Yes, and it was circumstances because, again, I think – I mean, this is a part of a bigger conversation that I get a bit obsessed with. Even though I'm a huge fan of therapy and I've been in therapy since I was in my early 20s, I do think there's a lot of problems with modern psychiatry uh-huh. and psychology in terms of isolating the problems to individuals. You yep. know, so not looking at, well, have they got enough money? Have they got access to healthcare? Do Are they overworked? What are their family relationships like? Mm. Rather than going, Cal, you've got an anxiety disorder. Yeah. How's your fucking marriage, right? Is <laughs> Uncle Barry a dickhead? Maybe you're yeah, not depressed. Yeah. Maybe you need to get divorced. Yeah, man. Ah, oh. and the thing with things like that too is that if my theory is that people you want to come back to the easiest course of action yes. and you want things to come back to normal. Yeah. And so you constantly explain stuff away because then it's normal. And then you don't have to do anything about it. Yes. You know, like, yes. Um, oh, and if that was just, if I just say that's just an aberration in his behavior and yeah. not something he does all the time, then mm. I can go, oh, it's just, he was just mm. drunk. He was under or, a lot of pressure. Yes, yes. Or he mm. didn't mean to and he said he won't. Like, as mm. opposed to going, oh, no, every time he drinks, mm. he has a go at you. Mm. That's, yeah, mm. it's, it's just easier. And it's very, to me, it's highly gendered. Like, whether we like it or not, particularly for women of our generation we have been raised to internalise problems. Mm. So if there's a problem within the extended family, it's our fault. If we have kids and there's a problem with the kids, it's our fault. If there's a yep. problem in the marriage, it's our fault. And I can see this auntie just absorbing totally. all of this and then having this revelation once her marriage ended. <laughs> oh, I can sleep now. Yeah. <laughs> I can, can't yep. you just see it? Absolutely. Absolutely. So cautionary tale for our younger listeners. I remember seeing a meme years ago, before memes were even a thing, where someone said something like, basically, before you decide you're depressed, just check that you're not surrounded by arseholes. Yes. Yeah, I love that. You know, that's always stayed with me. Like, you are going to feel like shit if you're in a bad relationship. Yes. Yeah. That is not, let's not pathologise that and call it a mental illness. That's being human. Yeah. 
it's like living next to uh, living next to um, I don't know an industrial like a factory and there's like really loud clanging yes. every night at 2am yes. and you can't sleep and you're yeah. exhausted and you're overtired. Yeah. It's like you don't have insomnia, you live next to a That's clanging right. factory. Yeah, you live through a bushfire, you're not going to breathe well. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't turn around and go, mm, we better investigate for asthma. No, no, no. no. no, no. The smoke. Yeah. It's the Fire. smoke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. All right, now this one's a nice quick one, but it just you and I, I just saw it and I thought of you and I as the nerd burgers that <laughs> you and I both are. She says, this is via Go Ask Mum on Instagram. When I die, I want the people I did group projects with to lower me into the grave so they can let me down one last time. <laughs> Because you and I, I mean, you literally love a glue gun, yeah. but you and I are the glue in projects. Yeah, yeah. Right? We're the doers. Yeah. How seeing oh my God. did you feel? Oh, it, I immediately flashed back to uh, feminist studies at university yep. and someone's car got broken into and they stole all their notes. <laughs> yeah, of course. And, oh, well, it's all right. I've done a presentation. <laughs> but group projects at school, professional collaborations in college, Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Comedy, yeah. university thing. Like, Ugh. I'm that one sitting there. Guys, hey, guys, guys. Guys, we've got to have, got to have something to hand in. <laughs> the, the deadline was at 5.10. It's 5.15. Yeah. Oh, guys. Oh, I just, I knew we'd both feel same. <laughs> All right, we're going to take some listener calls mm-hmm. now. Hi, Nellie. It's Jackie. How are you doing? This is great. I've got lots of questions because as a queer, older, non-binary person who has been happily asexual and single for 16 years, I get asked for advice a lot, usually by, usually by straight women that I am good close friends with and have been for a long time as they enter this sort of blossoming in their 40s and 50s and find themselves newly single. So I wanted us to have a chat and for you you to talk to a bit about the idea that dating is not always the answer, particularly straight after a long relationship that may have ended in a really difficult way, and that perhaps using the services of a sex worker needs to be destigmatized for women in particular because a friend of mine recently I'm super proud of actually did take that advice and and is feeling a lot more empowered and stronger in themselves and not like they have to immediately go spiraling into another relationship so yeah I, I just think a bit of a discussion about sex work for women you know accessing sex workers for women and destigmatizing that you know sex work is work so yeah, can we talk about that? So, Cal Wilson, what do you think about – so, Jackie, I mean, I think there's two things that stand out. One, the idea that you come out, and we've talked about you coming out of mm-hmm. a difficult relationship and the idea of not, um, you know, I guess rebounding straight into yep. another one. But from my impression, Jackie's saying, but, you know, a lot of people still want sex. So do you then avail yourself of the services of a sex worker? Do you have one-night stands? Like, what do you think about the whole – Scenario. Well, it's a very practical response, isn't, isn't it? it? It's so practical, and I'm, I have to admit, it's not something I have thought about. Yeah, before, but it makes absolute sense if you want to be in control of your own destiny and your yeah. own 
body and your own experiences, then why wouldn't you yeah. avail yourself of a service? Look, I'm going to be really honest and I find this this is a really vulnerable thing for me to say, but I think you, you and I are of a similar vintage. And I think as, you know, old long-term feminista communistas, it's a really hard area mm. because when I was learning about um, feminism and sex work, I was very clearly taught, you know, sex work is the subjugation of women by men for profit. You know, it was very mm. black and white. And I think we've absolutely evolved in terms of our understanding of what sex work is. And now we hear from actual sex workers, which I think yeah, is a very the, positive yeah. thing. We weren't hearing from them then. But I still have, if I'm perfectly honest, there's still part of me that goes, oh, I don't know if I could pay someone for sex. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm probably the same. I think I would struggle with that. But absolutely, if someone, if one of my friends said I'm, I've, paid someone for sex and it's great. I'll be oh, like, sure. fantastic. Hashtag no judgment. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Good Luck to You, Rio Grande? No. Leo Grande. Rio Grande? No, I'm confused. I'll the never two. find it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to send you the link. So there's a film that came out the end of 2022 that stars Emma Thompson and it is basically this exact situation. Uh-huh. So she comes out of a long-term marriage with awful sex. She's never had a orgasm in her entire life. I think her husband died from memory. Um, and she doesn't want a boyfriend. She doesn't want the complications of, you know, she's late 50s, early mm-hmm. 60s. She hires a sex worker. Oh, my God, I saw myself in her. She sits down with this guy and she's like, basically, why are you doing this? Like, have you gone to university? Like, are you broke? Do you have a drug problem? Were you abused? You know, like yeah. all of the stereotypes yep, that yep, we yep. have. And it's fascinating to watch this exchange mm-hmm. But I can also see exactly as you've said, what a practical thing to do. Yeah. You know, like what are the chances that she's going to go to a bloke her age, that she meets God and I don't know where, wherever, and say, I want to try, um, like she said, she wants to, she's got a list. I would like to try oral sex on you. I would like to try oral sex on me. I would like to try a 69er. I would like to she yeah. just like list these things. That doesn't happen. Unless yeah, yeah. you're in a situation where you can clearly outline those things. Yeah. It, I mean, it just seems like a practical, yeah. just practical. Yeah. So why, but why are you and I, why are we balking though? Because, because as you say, we're the same vintage and mm. and the same era of feminism, mm. I think, of of feeling like like our, our old learning is, oh no, that the sex worker is being taken advantage of. Yeah. But also, um, what does that say about you if you use a sex worker? Like, whether that... Um, yes. Well, and I think it's so complicated because, I mean, no one would dispute that there are sex workers who are being taken yeah. advantage of. There are sex workers who are being exploited. Like, anyone who deny that reality is a fool. That doesn't mean every sex mm. worker is being taken advantage of. But yeah, I don't know. It just it, it's still there's something in me that's just like sitting across for another person, going, "You have to do this because I have money." Yeah, yeah. You know, like it just. I, I'm exactly the same as you. It should be legal. It should be safe. If a friend came to me, in fact, I've had friends of you, sex workers. Seriously, no judgment, mm. but I'm questioning in myself my own resistance. Yeah, yeah. You know, to the idea. Yeah, totally. It's like literally it's not ever – I've never sat down and thought about that scenario for myself or for yeah. a friend. Yeah. Where we land in terms of Jackie's question, mm-hmm. 
for me is that I'm, I've got to question my own stigma yeah, yeah. as well. And I think maybe Jackie's call is a provocation to do that and to think through why. Like the, yeah, what is the internal resistance? Me, yeah. In, say, in the same way, I guess, for some people, and this is not the case with me, but the idea of a one-night stand would land uncomfortably. Yes. That doesn't for me, but the idea of paying someone does. Yeah. Uh, also, I, I also like the other thing that Jackie brought up of that a relationship is not necessarily the thing that you need. Oh, absolutely. And that's where I see the pragmatics of it. Yeah. Like I can see if you want sexual contact, which not everyone does, but most people do, and particularly I think if you have come out of a a shit relationship, Mm. to have someone treat you respectfully where you can explore your sexuality, the things that you couldn't do Mm. um, in that relationship, I mean that could be life-changing in the most positive of ways. Interesting. All right, let's take another call. I think you're going to like this one. A man once told me I was too much woman. So I I barbecued him. What advice do you have for women who eviscerate men due to their sheer power? What can we do to overcome the lack of strength out there? <laughs> I feel like we just got a call from a goddess. Like, Oh, we did. We indeed did just get a call from a goddess. So, I mean, it's the old, obviously she's taking the piss yep. to some extent. She hasn't barbecued anyone before anyone emails me. But this is clear, and I can tell because we've had some email exchanges, this is clearly a woman who has a very powerful presence, mm-hmm. has what we would call a big personality. Yep. Um, and who, quite frankly, a lot of men seem to find intimidating, and she's pissed off. Like, what do you think? Like, what is going on when this happens? Because we see this in comedy, yeah. yep. don't we? Yep. Like, how many times have you and I both been on tour where, bless them, but the ugliest asshole on the bill will have, like, ten women lining up yeah. <laughs> and we're at the bar yep. getting a soda water. Yep. You know, like, there's something about powerful... Women, guess, yeah, it's that thing of like, um, like her being powerful doesn't diminish a man's power. Yes, like, but there's that yeah. fear of, yeah. oh, but if if she's really powerful, like, like another thing Chris said to me really early on, yeah, because we were talking about, um, talking about like he wasn't threatened by me being on stage or getting attention no. or things like that, and he goes, I work as a school teacher, I'm surrounded yeah. by women in authority. Do you think yeah. it bothers me? Yeah. And I was like, yeah, clearly he's not threatened by it. He doesn't feel yes. diminished by – it's not like there's only 100% of the power. Like you have to have equal – you can have your own power. You can have 90% power and she can have 90% it's power. It's not a zero-sum game. No. You know, if one of you is powerful, it doesn't make the other one less powerful. But I think it's a – that's actually an interesting green flag with Chris and it. I connect it to back to why it's important that he's not impressed by fame because mm. fame actually isn't impressive. No. Like what someone does in the world is impressive. So if someone's impressed by, you know, the shoes that you wear or the clout that you have or your access to people, or whatever, they are red flags. Yeah. Because they're going to compete with you. That's it. That's the, it's the competition aspect, yeah. isn't it? Like, yeah, why should it be a competition? Why can't you look at your partner and just go, geez, they're great. Yeah, good. Go shine. Yeah. Go shine like a diamond. 
But what is it about, I mean, I do think, I will say, I think as we get older, my experience is that um, there's two sort of contradictory things happening. Older women are becoming invisible, but they're also accepted more as powerful. Like there's that sort of, you know, crazy Moana grandma kind of vibe where you go, yeah, yeah, this, this woman runs the show. You know, but at the same time, yeah, really oh, you're not serving me at the at Maya. Yeah. You know, so we've got this contradictory thing happening simultaneously. You put that in a dating context, it's very confusing because a woman like our, our caller is probably admired. Yes. But also a bit, everyone's terrified of her, maybe. Yeah, that's so interesting. You're so right about the, the invisibility, but yeah. also the... Respect ins- increases. Respect increases in certain situations yeah oh that's so interesting and is that when you attain that respect are you desexualized yes is the other thing this is, yeah yeah yep I think that that's what it is we move out of this realm where we are possibly obje- objectively desirable mm. like Amy Schumer had that great last fuckable day yes sketch, which you if you haven't seen it like 36 or whatever she was yeah yeah it was yeah. brilliant um but yeah we move out of that that realm of oh well I I feel like I should you know it, where it matters what a man thinks of you maybe mm. I don't know if I phrased that right what am I thinking well you stop giving so many fucks you about stop giving that. so many fucks yeah. but which also, is attractive in itself yeah Deborah Francis White said this great thing to me once when we were doing the Guilty Feminist she goes we've both started wearing big glasses now because we <laughs> realise no man wants to fuck us anymore. <laughs> Oh, Which I'm going to quote not another true, female but... comedian. So our beautiful mutual friend, Helen Thorne, one of my favourite jokes of hers was talking about um, arts workers. She's like, they're like, um, they're like kindy teachers, too many accessories, not enough sex. <laughs> <laughs> and there's an element of, you know, that sort of, I mean, stereotypical, but the middle-aged woman with yeah. the big glasses and the crazy hair yeah. and the brightly coloured clothes and, the, and you're going like, I wonder if... Does this is this a desexualization? Yeah, well, yeah. Is also is that giving less of a fuck? Like I'm, I wear stuff now that I wished, yeah. Or you just go just like it. Yeah, but yeah. Like, that I wished I'd been brave enough to wear years ago. Yeah. Or, um, but yeah, totally. Is that it's like you do give less of a shit about yeah. people. Yeah. But also to the point where, you, like, I say stuff now that I would never have said before. Or like, oh, you yeah. walk past a table of. Um, there were these young women and they were planning a holiday and I was eating breakfast in the same cafe and I just kind of was eavesdropping on the plans on who was going to pick up the food, who was going to pick up the alcohol and um, and they just really clearly were really beautiful friends yeah. to each other yeah. and as I walked out, I just went over and went, I'm enjoying your friendship. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and like what a weird thing for them on no, the other end of that. that's such a mum thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. But also that's the other thing is that I've finally yeah. gone, oh, I think I might – be a mum. Yes. Like, yes, 13 years down the track. Yeah. but 14 no, years, yeah. Like I've always known it in relation to my son, but people yes. have always gone, oh, you're such a mum, and I've always been like, fuck off, maternal. I'm just not an asshole. But yes. now I've gone, oh, no, I think I am quite maternal. Oh, no, you are definitely very maternal, but I think this is one of the difficult things, I think, for people listening of our age who are, I mean, you're long-term married, but a mm-hmm. lot of people listening who are either dating or thinking about dating or in new relationships it can even in your own mind it can be hard to shift out of that mum mindset mm. you know and to a lot of women of our age step into their power and i reckon that's what the call is talking yeah. about 
and then find, let's be honest, that particularly if they're in heterosexual context, that some men don't like that. Yeah. Like how many dudes do you know, and we know many in comedy, like I love a powerful woman, yeah, until you speak your mind. Yeah. Then they don't love you so much. No, then that, then, the, then you're, you're bossy or spiteful yes. or catty or, yes. you know, all of those. What they actually mean is I love a vivacious woman and that yes. is a very different thing too because you can be very quietly powerful and yeah. a powerful woman will call you on your shit. A vivacious woman's the life of the party and yeah, they're yeah. really different things. Yep. So I don't know the answer. I no. mean, barbecuing might be the answer. <laughs> but, the, but the only thing, I guess, that, and it's not helpful, but you don't want a guy that's threatened or intimidated by you. Oh, for sure. All right, our next segment is called Tough Titties. Do you know that reference? As in, well, hard luck. Yeah, yeah. hard luck. Yep. So there was a famous interview in the, I would have been 1980s, I reckon, on 60 Minutes, where there was a woman, Sheila from the Rajneeshis, uh, she got asked a question and she said, tough titties. And it went, it, like it circulated through primary schools in Australia. It obviously didn't make it no, over the ditch. No. But anyway, tough titties, we can do hard it, things. It went viral before there was It went viral. viral. And I'm reviving it, Cal. <laughs> now, our letter writer says, dear Nelly, this is a tough one. What responsibility do we have to keep an ex's secrets at the cost of our mental health? My ex has done some terrible things, but I don't want to diss him to his family or kids. But meanwhile, they all think I'm a cold bitch. Now, if we go back to your relationship yep. that you're now comfortable describing as abusive, yep. I'm sure you've been through this, right? You yeah. would have kept his secrets. Yeah. We all do. Yeah. And, you know, the, the awful part for me was he didn't keep mine. Of course he didn't. Of course he didn't yeah. because there's two rules. Yeah. And I don't know this person, so I'm not, like, commenting yeah. with personal knowledge, but in any abusive dynamic – and again, I come at it from someone who's worked in that area as mm. opposed to this personally for you. The abuser has rules for himself or herself, and the victim survivor yeah. has completely different rules. He or she can tell what whoever they want, whatever they want about you. And I bet he did. Yeah. Yeah. And probably the most personal things. Yes. Yeah. And it was horrifying at yeah. the time. I guess in this situation, what I would say f- from how I handled it maybe is that you don't need to buy into protecting that person but at the same time if it puts you in danger Mm. you don't want to you don't want to fire them up again sort of thing but I would say do these people matter enough to you that you need them to think the best of you yeah in your life yeah and if they do, then you tell them as much as you need to tell them. Yes. To protect yourself and to make them aware of the situation. But if they're casual acquaintances or whatever, I don't. It doesn't matter what other people think of you. Mm. Like it doesn't. Your safety and your your mental health, as you say, are, are are really important. If you've got kids, I guess you have to assess how old they are and how much they need and to how know. How much they need to know. So my re- – I mean, physical safety, emotional safety, absolutely. I think what she's saying – and correct me if you're wrong because I think we're reading it differently. I think she's saying keeping his secrets is harming my mental health. Right, right, right. Yes, okay. I think she's saying yeah, yeah, yeah. that his family and possibly even her children, because they don't know 
the things that he's done and she's protecting them from the truth oh, of him. God, that's hard, that isn't they it? they think she's cold and dismissive. And I've, God knows, in d- divorces, how many times have you heard this? Because I'm a big believer, you do not shit on the father or mother of your children. Yeah. Yep. Like you do not sit down and go, oh, and he's a he's useless and she's a bloody psycho. and You do not. But that's a different thing than lying for them. Yeah, God. It's a really hard one. Really, really, a really hard, hard one. Because I agree with you. Like I reckon one of the most profound things that I learnt over the last few years, and I can't remember who said it to me or where I heard it, but that phrase that went around for a while, you know, what other people think of me is none of my yeah. business. Yeah. I really like that. That is very true, but it's really hard if it's your in-laws or your own yeah. children. You know, so I wonder if there's an opportunity to say to, let's say the in-laws, they're clearly adults, mm-hmm. to go, look, I'm not going to say anything bad about Fred, but I'd like you to know that I have my reasons yeah. for my behaviour yeah, or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. What do you think with kids? Let's say they're teenagers. Like how much do you tell them? I guess, I guess if they're teenagers, I feel like they'd be old enough – well, maybe, you know, is it a thing of like, I don't want to affect your relationship with your father, but mm. this is the reason why I can't be in the same room as him. Yeah. Um, or I, I'm, I'm concerned about my physical safety around your dad. Mm. Yeah, it's a hard one. I, I had uh, friends that broke up and he was quite happy to badmouth the mum and mm. she never said a word against him to their mm. kids and her feeling was always they'll find out when they're older that, like, mm. I'm not going to shit on their relationship or shit on their dad and when they get old enough they'll make up their own mind and they did mm. and they don't really and see their they? dad yeah, yeah right yeah. I reckon it's absolutely okay to say to kids and family mum has another point of view on how things happened and I feel really hurt yeah and one day we'll be able to talk about it like you don't need to and he did yeah. this and I know but you need to let them know there's another side to the story and then I think if there's anything more information, find that friend who's really reasonable who's not just going to tell you yes, yes, yes. Yes. And he's not the drama friend who whips shit up. The friend who's going to tell you no and go, I'm thinking of saying, telling the kids that, you know, mm. Fred's an alcoholic. Should I do that? And trust what they say. Maybe yeah, they yeah. need to know that. Yep. And maybe they don't and you're actually in the wrong frame of mind. Yeah. I had one friend when I was going through the awful relationship, the aftermath of that, I had lots of people telling me that, oh, it can't be that bad, it'll get better, and lots of kind of, cheer, it can't be that bad, like, yeah, and, no, it, it and it was that bad. It is that bad. And I had yeah. one friend that literally was like, oh, that's shit, you're fucked. Yeah. Like, yes, and it tell was, me the truth. And I felt that she absolutely mm. saw me in a way that no one mm. else was, or mm. and no one else was listening, cause they, because mm. it was like, oh, no, no, but we, we want to make ourselves mm. feel better because this is awful and we want to make you feel better. But it's like, no, just tell mm. me tell me how fucked it is because mm. it's fucked. All right, we've solved that. <laughs> Tough titties. <laughs> You're not a cold bitch. That's the other no. thing. Go to your mates. Like I understand that I've definitely been in situations because I am a coper. You're yep. also a coper where I reckon I must seem very together when I'm like yeah. losing my shit on the inside. That's A lot of women do that. Mm. And a lot of stoic men do that. And we've got to look past that yep. and see how they're really coping. All right, two quick segments we end mm-hmm. on. One is no shade on my ex, which is a bit like I'm not racist, but right? So <laughs> fucking shade, cow. Go for it. So it can be serious or stupid. Like what's the stupidest thing an ex has done to you? 
oh, what is this? Oh, okay, this is uh, – there was a guy that I was madly in love with. And yeah. We had amazing chemistry and he was just a terrible boyfriend. What like, was his job? Was he a creative? He was a creative. Of course he was. Which in the theatre. Um, and we had this tempestuous relationship, broke up, got back together, broke up. It was like, We're like so tedious. 20s? Yeah, early yeah. 20s. So tedious for everyone around <laughs> us. Um, and years later he moved to the city that I was living in and came back and said all of the things that I'd wished – He'd said to me, oh. like, oh, you know, and I didn't think about you, and I blah 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 blah, and it, and and I was like, oh my god, he's saying all of the things. Yeah. Um, and then my flatmate at the time went, oh, I know his boss, and they're sleeping together. <gasps> and so we met up, and he he was like, you know, I'm, I realize I'm in love with you, and all this kind of thing. And I went, but you're sleeping with, with your, your boss. boss, and he said the words, but I was thinking of you the whole time. Oh. <laughs> For a start, don't fuck your boss, right? Yeah. You don't shit where you eat. No. Side note, we'll return to that. But, oh, my God. So, I know I didn't give you enough attention, Cal. Yeah, yeah, and I no, love no, you I was so wrong, much. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah. I just happened to not tell you that I'm rooting yeah. my boss. Yeah. What a dickhead. So, you walked away? I walked away. Well done. I mean, I slept with him one more time. Yeah. <laughs> That was why before, do we do that? Before, yeah. I, well, why, just, do we do, why do we go back? I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think I found out about the boss after I'd slept with him. But I do remember he stayed the night, and in the morning I woke up and I looked at him asleep and just went, "I don't respect you." Yeah, at all. And and then I was like, "Yep, that's it. It's done." See, and I reckon I'm going to doctor feel you here. I reckon you got to hold on to that because even though I can tell, and we all do this, anyone who's been in any kind of abusive relationship still, even at your age, thirty years later, holds shame about it. But there was parts of you that looked after yourself too like you could have stayed with that guy yeah yeah you know like it's not about dumb and smart it's not about that it's a really calculated process of grooming Mm. that happens in those kinds of relationships you were smart you sat there and went "Mm, I don't respect you which means you had enough respect for yourself to go I'm not going back here again yeah yeah so well done to you and that's hard in your early 20s as well and you know and also that the being brought up on romance yep. and tempestuous passion is really important. Yeah. It's like it's just tiring. It's Heathcliff. Yeah. It's the whole yeah, don't fuck Heathcliff. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah totally. And, and a primary school teacher. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Who spends a lot of time on the windy moors. Or fuck Heathcliff, but only fuck him. Yeah. Like have friends. If you can separate and just yep. separate that's for I reckon for a lot of women of our age that's the ideal. Yeah. If you want that passionate, tempestuous thing, just keep it to the bedroom. Yeah. And then have your girlfriends. Totally. You know, maybe that's the ideal. All right, and last one, you've seen the TikTok trend. He's a 10, but, yep. you know, he's a 10, but he wears Crocs or whatever it yep. is. So what's your dating deal breaker? He's a 10, but. He tells you you're not like other girls. <laughs> Because that means he doesn't like women. That Yes, Cal Wilson. See, this is one of the things that I love about being nearly 50. Because if someone had said to me when I was 20 and I was dating, you're not like the other girls. Or even when I started in comedy, yep. you're not like the other girls. You go, oh, thank you so much. Now I go, fuck off, cunt. Yeah. What? Yeah, totally. Excuse me, what do you mean? The other women aren't funny. Yep. Or the other women aren't nice. Or, yeah, it's a put down of women. It is. I am like the other girls. Yeah. They're my sisters. Yeah. Hey, girls, doors open. Yeah. Come in. 
<laughs> oh, you are like the other guys. Oh, no, I'm oh. sad. <laughs> oh, Cal Wilson, thank you so much for joining us oh. on the podcast. Will you come back? Yeah. Will you take some more calls? Yeah. We're both going to be pondering sex workers now. Totally. For months. We're going to be pondering sex workers and I'm going to try and count up the number of times I said totally. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to try and count up one night stands and we'll get a group chat going. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you, Cal Wilson. A pleasure. Dear Nelly, I could use some advice. Dear Nelly, yeah, some help would be nice. Dear Nelly, I'm eager to hear your point of view. Dear Nelly, there's a lot to explore. Dear Nelly, when you're 40 or more. Dear Nelly, so I'm hoping we can talk it. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Dear Nelly. Now, don't be shy. I would love to hear your questions and comments. To send me a recording or an email, go to nellythomas.com and follow the links. It's super easy and you might hear me talk about your question in a future episode. Huge thanks to producer Sam Peterson from the Producer Boy Creative Production team and to producer Faye Younger, who in addition to being an excellent human, is also a brilliant real estate buyer's advocate and can be found at youngerhill.com. Thanks to Acast and all the team. And lastly, to you. Without the listeners, I'm just a middle-aged mole talking shit to no one. Please rate, review and consider subscribing for five bucks a month for a bonus episode and to help me keep the lights on. And tell your bloody mates, would you? I'd really appreciate it. Love yous.